Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to 2016. It's the big interview, the new one. Guys, come in theatre. May 1996 was a pretty pivotal moment for me in my career. The first time I worked journalistically in the city of Barcelona, it was the under-21 championships, the semi-finals and final, four teams. And it turned out that, good though they were, um, the Scotland of Tommy Craig as a manager, Christian Daly, Stevie Glass from Aberdeen, Jackie McNamara, we weren't quite good enough for... France and Italy sides and Spain sides containing... The guys on show were unbelievable in that mini-tournament in Montjuic's Olympic Stadium in Barcelona. For France, um, there were Vieira, Pires, Macaleli. First sight of any of those for me. Um, for Spain, there was Raul, a young Raul, 18-year-old, the youngest by a distance in his squad, even de la Peña, who stunned everybody with his quality that day. Also a young Fernando Morientes, others who went on to star for Spanish clubs. But maybe it was the eventual winners, Italy, who had seemingly the most star-studded squad. Gigi Buffon, Fabio Cannavaro, Francesco Totti, Panucci, Nesta. Think about that. All coached by Maldini's old man, looking like Iggy Pop even then. The guy who I find it as a total privilege, and when I bless my luck as a broadcaster, that I went on to work with, was Guys Camendieta, who was playing for Spain in that tournament, weirdly wasn't allowed to take a penalty in the final where Italy went down to 10 men, then nine men, but held on for, no, it's it's not one man went to mow, went on to hold on for a, a draw, even with nine men against Spain, the Spain of De La Peña, Raul, Mendieta, Oscar Garcia, and the Italians won a penalty, a lesson learned there and then um, for me and for Gaiska. The next time I saw Gaiska play in, in person, was when I was, I don't know how I was shrewd enough to go to the 1999 Copa del Rey final. Newspaper budgets were bigger then, down in the Olympic Stadium in Sevilla. And Valencia played Atletico Madrid. And perhaps one of the things that was most strange about it was that the uh, Valencia manager, Claudio Ranieri, was about to switch sides immediately after the game and join Atleti. The big golden or buttermilk coloured moon that hung over the stadium as if it was going to eclipse the playing surface will live with me forever. It was a beautiful night embellished by, I think, the greatest, technically the greatest goal I've ever been present to witness. Certainly better than Zidane's goal at Hamden and it was scored by Geiska Mendieta. 
when we put this podcast out, when you're listening to it, I want to make sure that it's easily available for you to watch on YouTube, Guys Go's Goal against Atletico Madrid. Suffice to say, it's utter genius. Maybe the best goal ever scored. Yep, nobody talks about that. Everybody talks about Maradona, talks about Zidane. Watch Geiska's goal in the 33rd minute against Atletico Madrid. And then marvel at the fact that in this podcast, he tells me that when he arrived at Valencia, where he is now, regarded as one of the all-time great players for that club, a guy who guided them to two consecutive Champions League final, who Madrid wanted to sign in Valencia, refused to let him go, who went for what was a world record fee at the time for a midfielder from Valencia to Lazio. Geiska, who was twice voted the European midfielder of the year. When he arrived at Valencia, he thought he wasn't good enough. He was told he wasn't good enough. He told me in this podcast that he thought he lacked technical skills, technique. It's utterly unbelievable when you consider the player he became, a player who went on to become a remorseless, cold-eyed penalty taker. Except that when he describes the art in this podcast with me, he kind of gets nervous for the first time in his life and wonders how the hell he did it. We go on to talk about his spell at Middlesbrough, which for him was mostly extraordinarily pleasant. And I spent time with a guy who I've loved getting to know because he is intelligent, generous, articulate, multilingual. And I still consider him to be one of the greatest footballers I've had the pleasure to witness in my career. A damn fine man, which is the reason we brought him to you on the big interview. Guys, come in, Dieta. Welcome to the big interview. And one of the Thank things you. I'll say immediately is the strange thing is that the previous guests didn't really know what I'm like, but you do <laughs> because you've had to I do. put I up with me yeah. <laughs> on set in Sky, the occasional night out, and still you said yes. Most, most for good. I know you most for good. Yeah. You, your love of football must be very strong yes. to put up with me <laughs> it's again. Like yeah. it's, it's not just Sky and a love of music and a love of football that links us because as anybody who's ever listened to me by now is bored of hearing, mm-hmm. my first great foreign experience when I'd never left... Britain in my life before mm. was in 1982 when I was determined to follow Scotland to the World Cup. From your point of view, I went to the wrong part of Spain because Scotland were in Andalusia yeah. with the USSR and New Zealand and Brazil. You're significantly uh, younger as well as more talented than me, but you were in one of the host cities. We haven't spoken about it. I'm curious, maybe you're going to say, I don't remember anything about it, but you were in your birth city, which was a host city, yeah. and it had, I think it had the first game of yeah. Naranjito. It did. And although my memories of those days and the World Cup wasn't as probably as for you because you were working, I was just a kid that watched it on TV. And I, I'd say this in the beginning, so maybe that helps people to understand. I wasn't a big fan of football. I love football, but I wasn't like, I wouldn't watch every single game on telly. My dad was a footballer, so obviously at home, the games were all the mm-hmm. time. And I love watching it. Remember, obviously, all the guys, Butragueño, Arconada, people that then, and afterwards, I got lucky to get to know. But yeah, I mean, obviously, watching it. Everyone in Spain watched, watched, watched that World Cup. You've taken me in a different direction. And what, what did you do instead of football then? There's, there's a thing called fronton up there, but what, what was your <laughs> thing if it wasn't? No, I've always been sporty. Um, I started with football, but I, I, I wasn't more for watching on TV. I used to get bored. Ah, the so thing you played. Of, yeah, I played. You played. I played, yeah. Um, the, the game that came to town, and I, I don't know how much notice people took of it, not television only, is I'm sure it's some memories. Yeah. England-France came to town, no? 
It was England France. I think it was the England France. In the first yeah. game of the. I think so. it ends three one. So, but you, you weren't aware of of an invasion of fans, or did you live in the city centre? No, not really. I know on those days we moved out from Bilbao, but obviously spend the, the the summer holidays over there. So we that's what we were there. But uh, I don't remember particularly like seeing the town busier than usual. Uh, like I say again, because I wasn't involved in the whole thing of wanting to go to the match in the mm. stadiums, going to watch the training with the, you know, the, all these the, the legends and the players that were involved in the, in the national teams. So I was doing my random things that every other kid would be on my bike or play with my friends football somewhere else. And then whenever the, the game was on, yeah, go home to watch it. But not like a football fan that we wanted to get all the autographs and picture, well, pictures in those days were almost yeah. <laughs> something more difficult. But no, no, it, it wasn't like a, a proper football experience under the point of view of a, foot, a football fan. And your dad? What did what did he do with his football skill? He he retired in Castellón when he finished there. That's, that's what we one of the reasons we stay in, in that part of the, of Spain. And then he started different business. Well, he, he was coach for a long time, Castellón, and then the B team of the Castellón, and then different teams in the region. Who was also my manager in Oropesa, which he helped me a lot through all my career, not just football, personally, you know, the experience he had and everything. I was very lucky. Who was the first one that really told you, taught you that you had proper talent? Or when did you realise that rather than just being able to play mm. and being athletic, that you could, because I've seen you up close, you can do things with a football, and now mm. I'm not joking. Mm. All throughout your career, yeah. you did exceptional things with the ball. When did that begin to dawn on you? Or, or did somebody tap you on the shoulder and say, hey kid, you, you're quite good. I wasn't ever a technical player. I was, yeah, honestly, I was midfielder, holding midfielder, because my fitness was better than the most of the average players in those days. That was the reason why I, I went into athletics. I was, how you call it, uh, runner-up in Spain in 1,000 hurdle uh, meters. and Second in the, second in the I nations. I was in Spain, yeah, Spain, when I was 13. Then I had the record for, for the region in 1,000 meters to... 39 I, I was running for me wasn't a problem wasn't an issue as you might be surprised as you obviously that, that, that was something that I learned and and we'll probably come to that later but uh, no I was holding midfielder I used to get the ball give it to the guy that was next to me or the other guy I would never you know funny enough I used to take penalties knowing the same technique that I do now but no that, that became later and actually when I started in Castellón I was holding midfielder. I went to Valencia, started as a holding midfielder. It was when I arrived to Valencia, and I remember Roberto. I remember Roberto played Barca, uh, Spain so many times, uh, the World Cup as well, Valencia and, and Barca. Striker, right? No, the midfielder. Midfielder. Roberto Fernandez. Okay. And obviously afterwards, after a few years, and we're still friends, he always tell me, when we saw you arrive the first training session, we thought, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Can't even stop the ball. No. Yeah. So that tells you I was, yeah, someone that it would run, that it wouldn't make it difficult. I would make it easier for my my teammates, but I wouldn't do anything spectacular or anything amazing. Well, what the so hell? I, 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 never, I never really thought, ooh, I'm good for this. Or, you know, you, I got talent for football. My dad always saw a potential in me because saw the, 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 the fitness, the, the physical the intelligence in, in the sort of reading the game, how mm -hmm. to be in the right place or, or, you know, to get the balls and and not trying to make anything that I did. I knew I wasn't able, capable of doing it. So with few advice that he, 
always gave me and and, and the practice and practice and practice and practice. So that's going to be the key to come yeah. to link back to what I'm saying now because maybe we have an audience who know you, possibly know you for Middlesbrough and, mm. and Sky. Maybe we have an audience who saw you for Spain. Hopefully a lot of the people listening did see you for Valencia too mm. in the prime. But what is absolutely beyond argument are the things that I'm going to relate now, which is that you were European Football of the Year, European Midfielder of the Year. Until Fernando Torres moved to Chelsea, you were Spain's most expensive footballer mm. ever. Mm. I'm going to talk about this later, not now, but you scored the greatest goal, in, the, the most technically stunning goal in the history of football. Mm. Forget Pelé, forget Messi, <laughs> forget Zidane. We'll come not to that in a minute. But you've just told me that Roberto said to you when you got to Valencia, <laughs> you couldn't control the ball. Yeah. What the hell happened, man? I, what changed between that and the man who, who was, you know would have been listed in your peak for six, seven years mm. in the top five, six players in the world. It happened that as any other player or person or sportsman I had a talent. My talent was obviously the fitness, but I had the talent of learning and I wasn't afraid to learn and I wanted to learn. When I got to Valencia my first my first season after Castellón, Gus Hiddink was the, was the coach. So I used to get, as the, the, the Dutch mentality, used to get all the young players before training, 8 a.m. on the pitch, and it was all about technique and passing and technique and crosses and, and shooting and and passing and passing and passing. I didn't mention this, but before, when I was at Castellón, when I was uh, living with my parents, my dad used to give me, like, skills to do, like zigzagging, so I used to go on my own against the wall, kicking the ball. Uh, <laughs> bless my, my brothers. I used to take my brothers, one as a goalkeeper, the other one would be the defender. So I used to... Any chance I got to to try to improve with the help of, in this case, family. And then when I arrived to Valencia in, in, with the practice and trainings, that luckily got hitting plan for all the young the young players. So we used to do this session, then the training with the team, then rest, and I think twice a week, a week uh, another technique thing. So it was, it was a learning process. It wasn't like I was gifted and born with that. But throughout football, and I can now speak from the countries I've lived or worked in, also from speaking to colleagues more widely around the world, the majority instinct in football would be if you don't have it when you're first seen, mm. then you're no good. Yeah. Goodbye, move on, exactly. turn a page, get the next guy. Yeah. Whereas you existed with your own mentality, right, but with your dad's mentality, with Hiddink's mentality, mm. with your brother's help saying, whatever I am now, I, I can get better. I can get significantly yeah. better. And Hiddink was creating an atmosphere was it still Paterna? Was it? Yeah, Paterna. Yeah. The training ground from Valencia going, saying, yeah. I know if we take these kids and we drill them over and over again, they can improve in every aspect. That's I think that stands out as a jewel of an idea, brilliant mm -hmm. idea, is, and completely yeah. different from all the idiots who go, I've seen him, he's too small or he's too slow or he can't, he can't do, therefore, goodbye. In that mentality, we'd have lost you to professional football. Yeah, yeah. If, if any manager with, with very short sight uh, mentality and stuff would say, well, this guy, you know, is not good enough. You know, we don't want him. Well, it would have happened in Castellón, if anything, before, because when, when Roberto Gil and, and the, the guys that were for Arturo Tuzón, the president of Valencia, back in the day, saw me play for Castellón, they obviously saw something to buy me and, and get me to Valencia. So it was in Castellón where, where someone had, um, my, my coaches, that he saw the potential. I don't think anyone could have said that I would have reached what I did as going from a 
a team player, if you like, and physical to a technical player mm. as a reference. I don't think even myself could, 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 could show that comment. Well, it, with, without taking any credit away from you and those around you, that's part of the beauty of football, that oh, these sure, stories yeah. can be just stunningly incredible and, and you must never give up. And I guess you, I know how busy you are and you're about to jet off to Spain again to work. And it might be you haven't had time to listen to the previous podcast, but I'm lucky to, to have the trust of a guy I like. A guy, actually, I hadn't thought of this before now, who reminds me of you a little bit, mm-hmm. in that when I was young, I was watching Aberdeen, which is a team I really care about, as you know, and we signed a guy called Gordon Strachan. He's now the mm-hmm. Scotland coach, and we signed him from Dundee. He's about your dimensions. He was very similar in terms of ability. He could do things that, that made you want to buy the ticket, that made your team more likely to win but also he did things that made football beautiful mm. and like you it was about winning he yeah, wanted yeah. to win make his team better it wasn't for yes. show but he reminded me a lot and recently we sat with him in this interview and said skills shortage in Scotland and he said do you know what I've done because he's now passionate about changing people's closed vision like you talked about whatever he is I, Gordon I'm sorry maybe he's 55 maybe he's younger maybe he's younger <laughs> But he goes into his garage to try and test his theory. He says to his wife, as he said, listen, take a stopwatch and time me and bang on the door when half an hour is up, clears everything out of the garage and just plays the ball off each wall to keep it going at the Scotland manager on his own to seeing how many touches he can get yeah. in half an hour. And he said it was about 1,000, 1,100. So his idea from that is to go back to the coaches who say, like to kids, 14, 15-year-old kids who are not practicing my point is the way you did repeat practice drill ball all the time try and they maybe play for a team they travel an hour and a half they touch the ball five times in the pitch they travel an hour and a half back and they never know that football can be beautiful that they can get better Mm. and that they might be European midfielder of the year one day (laughs) but your story really hits with what Strachan said yeah that you were able to change your change your life because you were you became in my words Brilliantly technical player. Mm, yeah, well, I think if you look at any, even nowadays, Messi, Ronaldo, they were born with a gift, but that gift has to be polished, has to be perfected, has to be practiced, have to be. There's so many things. If you if you're not right in your head, if you're not focusing your game and mm. you're down to earth and, and knowing your your limitations, you you won't make it. There used to be guys that played with me when I was 16. Barca wanting them, Madrid wanting them because they were they were brilliant, and you you know. I used to watch them and like, you know, these guys are, are very good. I'm not at that level. None of them have made it. <laughs> Basically because mentally, and that's something that people, I don't think, never get to understand, the sacrifices you make when, when you're mm. at their age, when you mm. are probably from 13. De- detail them then. When you say they don't understand. No, they understand that when all your friends go out and, and, and have a drink or go out for the weekend somewhere else and travel, you, you, you don't. You, you either training. You either sleeping because you go to a game next day. Uh, so many other things. I used to go because once you start to train with the first team, you train in the mornings and you go to school in, at night. Mm. So your your days completely the other way around as your friends. And you get new friends, but if you focus on your game, which it doesn't show you you want to make it, but that's that's the way of doing it. So you, 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 you have to mature when all your friends still having fun. It was worth it in the end, and we'll come back to Valencia in a minute, but, uh, you know, typically I want to get me in the story again. <laughs> 1996, May, Monjuic. You've played for, I think, Spain under 18, under 20, but mm-hmm. I, I remember coming away from uh, my oldest daughter's christening 
to head to Barcelona to work for the first time. I'd been there for football and for fun before, but this was my first working assignment, and it was the European Under-21 Championships. Four teams got through to a semi-final final, sort of knockout little mini-tournament. Do you remember the four teams? My accent's a clue to one of you them. You probably is better than yours. Yeah, R- one more school language. I got the T-shirt. Oh, um, no way. Yeah, but I got one. I can't remember which which player it was, but I, I got it. I got it from from Scotland, it's a, it's Italy, out. Spain, and the other one that that's one. You tell. Let me, me say the words: Vieira, Macaulay, oh France, yeah, I thought Tony Varel, yeah, yeah, Pires. Pires, when I say Pires. So let's go on with the. Let's start with Mendieta. Let's go on with some of the other names. Raúl. With us was Raúl de la Peña, Oscar García Vinets, yeah. Um, uh, was Lardin and for Italy if I remember correctly there was Cannavaro yeah. Totti, Totti Del, Nesta, Pieri, Nesta Buffon was on the bench yeah. absolutely one of the most incredible tournaments Scotland, I've ever seen <laughs> <clears throat> we like to be lower profile yeah it's right? a whole team some of those guys no, were, what, what actually happened was Brian, was Brian O'Neill was playing playing very well and Bayern Munich Sent scouts to yeah. watch Brian O'Neill. Was that Ferguson, I think, playing that team? Could it be? If, if I remember correctly, there'd have been a Derek Stilly. I'm not convinced about Ian Ferguson, but you could be right. Sure. What I do know is that we had Tommy Craig as our manager. One of the things, one of the many things that I found fascinating about that tournament, Scotland lose initially to your team. Yeah, to us. Yeah. De La Pena plays. Yeah, oh, uh, that, that night, we, we I mean, the, the phrase has been used too often, but at that time, the, the phrase to reuse was Maradona. Mm. And we saw him, he was never as quick in the dribble, but his use of the ball, his, at that stage, his power, mm. he made a goal, I think maybe for Oscar, but certainly he bent a free kick in for a header and he ran the game and it was a joy to yeah. watch. And Spain was unbelievable. Spain won very, very easily indeed. But I wondered for a young Basque, your management team then was Clemente, mm-hmm. who'd won the title yeah. for Athletic. Yeah. And his number two was... What we knew in Britain as the butcher of Bilbao. He was. And Doni Goicochea. Yeah, correct. Who showed an enthusiasm for Maradona's leg at the camp now between Athletic and Barcelona. Yeah. As a young Basque, did you know about that incident? Yeah, of did, course. And, and what did you think about having him as your... Tell me about Goicochea. He, he is a lovely guy. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, in terms is that, of... Is that fear? No, no, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Uh like anything in life or football, um, Atleti Bilbao back in the days was all about character, all about physical, all about getting the ball in the flanks and get crosses, more or less like like in England or in yeah. Britain was was that sort of football. So he he was about that. So whenever I tried to mess up with him, <laughs> the power would come out, <laughs> and that's how he come out. He, he was about that. Probably obviously taken to the to extreme the, the way he did with Maradona. He always regretted it, and uh, he did. Yeah, he did. He That's did. a genuine question because yeah, yeah, he over here, he remember, never meant it. there was no sky. No. So when you saw Spanish football, yeah. which we saw that tackle, that 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 yeah. moment, so it had a big impact over here, which is why I became the butcher yeah, of Bilbao yeah, yeah. because we hadn't seen much Spanish football. But in Spain at the time when that happened, what you were still a young man. Yeah. But but what was the reaction? What was the feeling? Well, it was obviously when wow, you know, <laughs> no one could watch the replay. But um, for us, it was, was an honor because he, he's, he was a Spanish legend, international with Spain, Atleti Bilbao, one of the you know, great players we had. And, and it was an, like, look up at him as an admiration. We didn't think of who he was the guy that he brought the leg to Maradona. No. No, we never did. We had admiration for him, as well as for Clemente, which Clemente was player. Yeah. But he never made it as probably Goicoetia did. 
and we had huge respect for them. And I'm thinking now, I actually, there's an interview. There was a Spanish TV program on TV, and they've got Maradona. And they rang Goicoechea. And Goicoechea was kind of saying, you know, it's difficult to say I'm sorry sometimes, like openly, mm-hmm. and you've already said it. And you might not have to feel to say it because it's, it's a game. It's a football. Yeah, what happens yeah. on the pitch stays on the pitch. And he was trying to say it, but Maradona was quite funny with, with him. And he kind of said, okay, you know, whatever. He was offhand with he, him. He was like putting the hand, Diego Maradona wouldn't put it back on. So the guy was like, all right. It was an extraordinary time because if I remember correctly, um, there was a, I was about to use the word hatred, which is wrong. The rivalry between Athletic mm. and Barcelona and between Clemente and Cruyff had got out of hand in general. yeah. yeah. And when Maradona came back, I think at the end of that season, I think the cup final was Barcelona Athletic. Yeah, it was again in the final. Yeah. And it ended up with them kicking, was the, kicking the back shit and, out yeah, of each other yeah, and yeah. punching and running. That and... wasn't was nice. <laughs> no. If you can imagine, for people that don't really know Spanish football, there's a lot of politics involved in you know, the Basque, the Catalans, the Barca, the power, the no power, the whoever represents whatever mm-hmm. in their own back town and, and stuff like Madrid and, and, and Valencia, Atletico Madrid and Madrid. Same same as in England. Every team represents a social group of, of people and, and, and that Barca de Bilbao became more than a sport and that's why that's what the reactions we saw in on, on, on every challenge on those days. You really kindly helped me out with my book about Spain and you once said that you'd never really felt big divisions between Basque and Madrileños when you came to the national team mm. and that it was more unified than we mm. might have expected. That group there in 96 was pretty unified and you, you went to the final because you beat Scotland and, and France were beaten by Italy and I learned a big lesson that day. Do you, do you remember the final? Do you, can you anticipate the things I'm going to ask you about? No. Most footballers view it differently. No, I, I, yeah, yeah, I anticipated yeah. that because you play it, you win it, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. win it, you move on. You, you went on to achieve on. a thousand different things afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no. But I, I was I was knocked out that day because you grow up in Scotland, you don't go to Calcio, you hear about Catanaccio, you hear about the mm. Italian men- mentality, and then I saw it. I think they had one of their players sent off in about eight minutes. Yeah. So it's 11 against 10. Scotland have just been beaten by Spain. You have very, very yeah, good footballers. Was, yeah. Very good yeah. footballers. Caranca, centre-back, Middlesbrough manager. Now, not only do they have a second man sent off, but they just... And, and the coach, of course, is Cesare Maldini. Mm-hmm. You know, an elegant libero sweeper who gave birth to one of the all-time great defenders. And he just... I don't know how, how he communicated it. Whether he raised one of those Iggy Pop eyebrows, because he does look <laughs> like Iggy. Yeah. and he's got a lust for life yeah. or whether he sent out a carrier pigeon but the shutters came down mm-hmm. Spain had all the ball you bombarded that goal it went through extra time and then it went to penalties penalties yeah who didn't take one myself correct <laughs> what the hell because as I said earlier although in Castellón I used to take penalties that was probably about the time after that I wasn't a player considered by managers to be one of or amongst the technical ones and you know like probably nowadays everything has become more more specialised more more professionalised in terms of everyone you know they, they watch penalties or taking the ball in those days guys would take free kicks and penalties where normally the midfielders the technical ones so I wasn't on the list to take the penalties 
So if anybody hasn't looked at your career, followed it the way I have, yeah. they might be wondering why I'm making a fuss about it. Mm-hmm. So Spain lose yeah. to Italy. That's the lesson I think I learn about the Italian mentality, mm. which in some ways, you know, it wasn't a great game because they, they closed up shop, but they had two men sent off. They went through extra time mm. and they won, which we both know is the thing. Mm-hmm. The first big game of your next season is about match four and it's at the Bernabeu. Mm-hmm. And you score a penalty. Yeah. What do you do to impress? Who's the coach then? Would have been hitting. Still hitting. Yeah. What happens to make him say, "We're at the Bernabeu. It's Valencia, Madrid. The guy who wasn't trusted in May for Spain. I tell you, I tell you, who's taking our penalty? This guy's come in the end. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it was a process of 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 obviously practicing and becoming more confident. And I think more than myself getting more confident. It was making people realize, well, this guy is not all just about running, and and and, and because I, that game I played as a right back, which I used to hate, play right back. It's the, the worst position ever. <laughs> so yeah, it was like I said, it was. Did you have to I, say, boss? I want this. I w- I want to be not that day, but no, I want to be the was, penalty was, taker. Was more of the, the the team, which he said, look, this guy. He's taking penalties. That's amazing because, you know, in training, you always stay longer and with the right. goalkeepers, taking penalties, free kicks. That's always the joke. So I think I earned the respect by my teammates through that. I remember it was Mijatovic, was the one that used to take them. We had Shalenko, uh, the Russian guy. Yeah. They, they were the guys that used to take penalties. So came to that moment where I think Mijatovic missed one or two. Shalenko yeah, wasn't there anymore. So the guy said, I remember Camarasa and Giner, which was the, 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 the more experienced players there, they said, you are the next one. We've seen you kicking the free kicks, we've seen you taking penalties, you're the next one. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I take the penalty at the Bernabeu Paco Bullo and, and, and score. Can you remember it? Yeah. It was in the goal as you come out the tunnel on the right side, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I can remember, yeah. And Gonga was there as well, which was a, a good penalty taker as well. But the guys, which I think is what, what makes me happier and, and, and prouder that there was my teammates they elected they, you yeah they, they, they kind of saying you know this is the guy normally the manager he says one two three you take the penalties but it, it was actually the guys trusting me to take it and that I think that for me was was a huge a huge uh, honour you're going to go on to continually score penalties at the Bernabeu yeah pretty regularly yeah Against Barcelona, against Arsenal, Manchester United, certainly, and famously, we don't want to go on too much about San Siro, which is a disappointing night, mm. but you feature there scoring a penalty before the fans were in the stadium and the teams were out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about 90 minutes before kickoff, yeah. you got it was that early. <laughs> you score your penalty in the shootout. I guess you score for Borough against Everton and Spurs in the two. I miss a sports one. Ah, then we come back to that. Yeah. But you'd accept my proposition that at one stage you were the world's best penalty taker. Mm. What was the mentality? What was your technique? What went through your head? A practice, learning process and watching other players doing it. And I mentioned earlier Oleg Salenko. He was the guy that I would take the penalties. It looked like it was a joke. It was just take a, a jog, a run, not, not very fast and watching the goalkeeper. Obviously, goalkeeper, the longer you take without being very slow, they get anxious. They need to, because they, they like to be quick, so they make a decision which side to go so they don't have much time to think. But the guy was like running and then waiting, pop, the other side. I learned, and, and somehow it became my my way of taking them because before that, I used to, like most players do, choose one side and go for that. And then 
the better you are, obviously, the, the more easier you could put it somewhere. So uh, if I understand you correctly, you've got the Burnaby in this instance all around you. It's noisy, there's pressure, your heart's mm. thumping. But what you begin to choose to do is to run up, trusting that your technique will be good without looking at the ball, and you watch what card players call a tell. Yeah. You w- wait for a tell in yeah, the goalkeeper. Literally, you run just not even a second, maybe with one second or so. At that moment when the goalkeeper moves, because goalkeepers always move. If, if any watches or replace a goalkeeper, goalkeepers always have to move before, otherwise they won't make it. So wait and then kick it to the other side. Sometimes they will wait and by the time I get to the ball, they've not moved yet and then I'll go for one side. Sometimes, like uh, you mentioned the one in the, in the Champions League final, Khan, Oliver Khan, rather than going one side to save it, he took a couple of steps in front to may try to reduce the space. So by the time he comes out, I've kicked it. The, the time, by the time, again, he, he goes down and tries to save, it was too late. I put him more pace, so it was, it was difficult. So you used his forward momentum to realise that he can't be diving left or right in the split second that he's moving forward. And if you hit it harder, it's more likely to go underneath his dive, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Is it, I know. Are, are you? Have you ever thought about the micro? No, I'm the micro. It <laughs> sounds so difficult. But the micro processing that's yeah, going that's, on in your that's brain. The process. It is. It is. Is the run? Wait for the goalkeeper. Once the goalkeeper is there, and you buy the ball, about, just about to kick it. Is has he moved? Has he chosen one side? Has he coming up? Have I have to put more pace on the ball? More on the angle? More just putting on one side? So that took about eleven seconds to say, and you processed it in the Champions League final in that instance but again and again over your career mm. in maybe 11 millionths of a second all that information that, yeah. I, I'm raising it because if you if you're a confident man or woman who plays football you're always like yeah I'd like the penalty mm. but when you begin to think above the thing about being confident or brave or stupid enough to take it <laughs> what you don't Never think know. about is yeah. everything that's involved and yeah. I really like the Basically, fact probably because of that I made you nervous 14 years later that's I just <laughs> yeah, love that thinking oh, wow really all that <laughs> I, I'm not taking it ever no. <laughs> but when was the feeling the same when they all went in job done it was, thanks it was, yeah it was confident I knew because it worked. So when something is working and you uh, see yeah, in it, life, yeah, yeah. Like in life, yeah. You just expect it. So it worked. It. I go to the penalty, boop, put the ball, get my run, goalkeeper will move. Actually, Molina was the goalkeeper, Jose Molina, the goalkeeper of Atletico Madrid, which won the, the double. Famously went on to be yeah, part the, of Super Depor as well. Yeah, exactly. And they played for cancer, Spain, beat cancer. left winger. Yeah, cancer, yeah, came yeah. on and played. <laughs> with Clemente. Only in Spain, <laughs> only with Clemente. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was playing for Atletico Madrid. So the new the guy, we've played together at Valencia and, and the B team, we trained together for years. So when it came to take the penalty, it was like, this guy knows it, knows the stuff. So I remember... I missed the first one, I hit the post, and then we scored. Mm-hmm. And the second one, I took it again and I scored again. So it, it was all about confidence. Mm-hmm. Although I missed the first one, I, I knew I would score the second. It was, it was just the odd time that, that I could possibly miss, miss the penalty with that technique. I don't know how to treat the Champions League finals, and, and I think I'm going to leave it for a second and put the happy thing first, because <laughs> you've been so good to me. You, you, you like your music, right? Yeah. Prince. Have you ever met Prince? Do you like his music? Prince. Yeah, Prince. The Prince. Prince, as in... I like some songs. I'm not a big fan of him. Did he write 1999 for you? <laughs> no. Nope, Tonight we're going to party like it's... Because 99 was... 99, in, in my view, saw Valencia, not just guys come in there to run, literally 
the perfect cup campaign. Mm. It ends with you under a big, huge, copper-coloured moon. Gigantic, gigantic moon, which looked the size of the stadium to me. Mm. Down in Sevilla, in what yeah. I think they call the Olympics. Yeah, it was the Olympic, yeah. It's a magic island, Island, Cartucha or Car- whatever. Um, Cartuja. Cartuja. Playing against Atletico. But before we even get to the story of the goal, mm. you have a local derby yeah. and you pump Levante. Yeah. Then you're out because you you draw sequentially Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. During which time Valencia scored 14 goals. <laughs> so for everybody who's got to know Geiska, maybe you're too young to have watched this or maybe you didn't have Sky in those days. For anybody who's got to know Geiska as an articulate, multilingual, well-dressed, <laughs> very intelligent football pundit, he could play. Valencia scored 14 goals in two rounds eliminating Barcelona and Real Madrid. Pick something out of those four games to tell me about because we could spend a day talking about them. When we had actually in the draw Barca and Madrid, I think we actually were quite happy because we knew back in those days, we knew how to beat them. If it would have been, we play Bayern Munich, we play back in these Rangers and, and big teams in Europe. But we thought we found the click and the, 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 the way to, to beat these teams. So what we're confident when we play against Barca it was it was huge. We're talking about you, Claudio Lopez, Claudio Angloma, Lopez, Angloma um, Carboni, Carboni, Ayala, Pellegrino, Dukic, Farinos, Gerard, Luis Milla. Um, Luis Milla, who left Barcelona to go to Madrid when, well, Pep, even when before, Pep was brought through yeah, by Cruyff exactly. because the president wouldn't allow him to buy exactly, yeah. uh, Mialbi, uh, pardon me, Jan Molby. Right throughout the team, you had tr- tremendous talent. Canizares, yeah. Your coach was... Who was your coach again? Now, what, what, and, and what's he doing today? Uh, I think he's in the Champions League spot at the moment. Claudio Ranieri Claudio was your Ranieri, coach. Yeah. Leicester manager, right? Yeah, yeah. But you see, so that group, all of you, mm. you believed... <laughs> let's just say what you said again and underline it. Good, it's Barcelona and Real Madrid. We, we'll we'll yeah, beat them. We knew it. Because we, we, in football, it's about, all about the confidence. It's all about the momentum. And we knew with with these teams, well, we play not just with Claudio Ranieri, we play with Cooper, we play with... Um, Hitting no, Aragonés. Aragonés. Not as much as probably with, with Ranieri and Cooper, which we used to absolutely always beat them. I don't think we, they beat us once in, in probably we play Cup, Liga and Champions League and we beat them all the time. Your record against Barcelona and Real Madrid, I think, is 28 matches and you only lost 12 times. Yeah. And the majority of them well, normally is the other are way wins. Yeah. No, well, norm- normally the, the start is gigantically yeah. Yeah, the other yeah. way around. Especially, I remember the days going to the Nou Camp when Johan Cruyff was the manager and, and started this sort of uh, tiki-taka philosophy. He changed the brand of football, he didn't did, he? He did. He, he definitely did it. With Barca, our mentality was the other way around. That's what I was uh, bringing it on. Because it's, we're going to the Nou Camp to say, guys, today we're going to run. <laughs> we're going to run for fun after the ball. We might not get much the ball, you know, be patient, don't lose composure, position, blah, blah, blah. And that, we managed to change it over. You were betting that if you ran enough, somebody, maybe even Pep in midfield, or you say would make a mistake, yeah. right? Yeah, you waited, yeah. You, we were waiting for them to make a mistake because we, we knew how good they were. You couldn't beat them by football, by playing football. We, as we understand football, passing yes. and... Uh, you couldn't outplay them. Outplay say. them, exactly. Yeah. Vale. We could outplay them by, you know, 
as a team, as being together, running together, pressing at the right moment in the right place and, and getting the ball in the right positions to then maybe get two, three chances and make sure you get them. So that changed when, when, when in those days because our style of football, a team that although probably saw the peak with Ranieri and Cooper, it was was started with Luis Aragonés. Piojo when I arrived when I was you know only a young player, Luis Milla, guys we've mentioned, were three four years younger. So we went the players that we were back in the day. We Valencia I think cleverly saw this this potential and kept this team for you know for 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 so many years. I think even I'd say Benitez kind of still managed to get something out of that that group that that we were since Luis Aragonés. Probably Benitez. That's probably a, an era where the same sort of principles, uh, mentality, uh, competitiveness, everything you want as a group was was uh, preserved. Looking at those two semi-finals, then, given that there was a, a methodology, a confidence, huge talent, you were also a hard team to play against. Mm-hmm. There was a, there were some mean guys in that team. Yeah. There was guys you didn't like losing, and who could make sure that they did what was needed to win. Who would have tended to be your direct opponent, trying to close you down, or you had to stop in those semi in the quarter and the semi final in '99 against Barcelona and Real Madrid? Who who would have been the guy that you said you're not you're not having a good day today? Against you, against us. for Barca, for Real Madrid. This, these would be the days, maybe already of yeah. Omar's, well, no. with Barca, would have been Guardiola, the guy we needed to stop and say he can get the ball. We actually, I remember, I think with Ranieri, one game at Mestalla, he asked me to shadow him. So hmm. I well, like, hmm. yeah, you just stick with him all the time. So whenever the ball was going to him, I would try to close him. As soon as I went, the other guys. So it was like automatic. Uh, so you close Pep, but they've been behind you. Yeah, um, Farinos maybe or Farinos, Gerard. Gerard, Kili Gonzalez. Kili, yeah. Wow, another good player. Mm, I know. They had when you sat the in mechanisms, the, Sky, yeah, the yeah. Sky Studio, yeah, analyzing what Pep, the coach, did for Barcelona. Yeah. Really, you were you were you could have done it in your sleep because yeah. you did it. Well, we knew he was the the guy that he that he the whole Barca went around him. He was the one the tempo the ball so. One, by stopping him, Barca won't play, which is one feel comfortable. We get upset, we'll get the ball in a further up than the halfway line, mm-hmm. which with the pace we had up front, it was lethal. And we stopped them for by possession, making us defend deeper and deeper and deeper. You comfortably eliminate the two biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. And you go to Sevilla for the final and it's Atleti. I think as a group, you already know that Crazy Claudio is going to leave Valencia at the end of the game mm-hmm. and join who? Atletico Madrid, Madrid. Who are your rivals, are rivals in yeah. the final. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's Spain in, in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Where else? <laughs> we play Mallorca home last game. We qualify for the Champions League. That was the last game of Claudio and Mestalla, which everyone knew he was leaving. And then, yeah, but when we play the cup final... We knew he, he was leaving and he was, well, the rumours, obviously, heading to Atletico Madrid. Our squad, I wouldn't say even the team, the squad was was strong, was confident. We all knew how to play, what to do. And when I'm, I'm thinking now, when I'm, we're saying all the time, we knew how to beat Madrid and, and Barca. I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. 
because it was... You didn't? No, but really hard. I mean, actually, I remember... I think if I, what I heard yeah. in my ear was okay. we knew how to, we knew what to do, yeah. we knew yeah, well, what, what they didn't like, where yeah. their weaknesses were, yeah. and we were a group, and we knew... I mean, yeah. Is that a right representation? I think so. But we beat Madrid in the cup, Spanish cup. We beat them 1-6 at home. Second leg in the Bernabeu. We got to the Bernabeu. We say, guys, you know, don't panic. You know, play normal. Don't don't think of the result. Just try to go and win. In the first 15 minutes, they score three goals. Morientes, two, and Raul, I think. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> a, a team of professionals, 1-6, six, 6-1 six, we won. And we were, like, panicking. Yeah. That, that's, that's how... What I'm trying to say is... There were big teams. There were times where confidence was everything. We we beat them one six. All of a sudden, the the, the coin flipped to the other side, and we were like three 0 at home at the Bernabeu, thinking they're gonna beat us. But it's all about the confidence. And then going back to the final, yeah, the final. Whoa, 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 right. whoa! You know how no, to play. You know how to play. You know how to dress. You know how to spin discs. But you don't know how to tell a story. Don't leave the audience lying there. <laughs> <laughs> you're six one up. And then we went through. You're Sorry, six four yeah. down. You're we panicking. But what the hell happens? Just this, this, this myth of the Bernabeu and the comebacks and the. But how do you turn? Miedo escénico. Who who steps up? Who has the cojones? Well, Who they, says, lads, no more? And, and well, we all said, well, at that time we had, I was there in midfield, it was, I think it was Luis Milla, uh, Anglomar Carboni, so they were, they were experienced guys there. Final score in the, in the semi-final, second leg? I think it was 3-0 three, three three or 4-1, something like that. I think you score. 4-1, yeah, yeah, I think, I think we score. score one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's down to Seville, so Seville led yeah. by the, the mighty Leicester manager of today. Um, who's going to leave for Atletico, who are your cup final rivals. And I don't want to be um, mean to Piojo uh, Lopez, who, who I think maybe gets two goals. Mm-hmm. But certainly you thrash Radian teaches Atletico. Radi was famous here for Luton, and I met him, I know him well, and Dusan, his son. And okay. I, th- I thought he did impressive things, and you'll end up being managed yeah. by him very, very briefly yeah. at the camp now. But you absolutely thrash Atleti, and I joked before. But I, I, I think you have to be honest and say that you scored a candidate for the the single best goal of all time. And the most common, before I ask you to describe it, the most common comparison that's made is with Pelé's yeah. goal in the, the nineteen fifty eight World Cup final. World Cup final. Yeah. Now that's why I said in, in the intro, like you must be really angry with Messi, and people go on about Messi's goal at the Burnaby on Zidane at Hamden and. But now I'm not joking. It, this goal was better than those, in my view. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens in the goal? What do you do? Well, it was Alistair a bit earlier. Before the game, I think it was the night before, or maybe in the same day, in the morning, Ranieri calls me in my room mm-hmm. and says, I need to speak to you before the game. Okay, I go to his room. And he says, I need you to ask you a big favour today. Having go left-backs. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Miroclun couldn't play and Jockey, Gerardo. Good man, Jockey. Yeah. What a fantastic guy. He's Rangers legend. Guy. He Spoke to Rangers him last as night. Well, Love yeah. the guys. Boys are in the youth system now, he's, eh? He's a, yeah, yeah. Good man, Jockey. Yeah. I know if he was injured, he was, couldn't play because of uh, yellow card, red card. Gerardo, which was normally the one that would replace him, he had, a, I think it's the groin or something. So he says, we need you there. So Gaffa, 
I played another final with Valencia, which we lost against um, Spanish Cup final. I lost against Deportivo. Yeah, what what happened in that one? Remember that one with the, with the hailstones the, that it got stopped and it wasn't a red card in that. And one, someone got yeah, no, two yellows. Yeah, two yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> First one, on. only you, one. Yeah, that's the only you, one. You know uh, who we're talking about, don't you? <laughs> Got a good memory. Yeah. Done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like football. Yeah, so okay. Guy's yeah. was sent off in his previous cup yeah, final yeah. with Valencia. So yeah. when the boss says to you left back, you're going, come I on, said, boss, I want to win this know, one. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the final. It's, you know, come play me on the left. Oh, yeah, we need you there. So, okay, play final. And then it turned up. So my, my, my thoughts about the game was like, you know. You always want to play a final to shine, to score goals, sure to make do. history, make have your impact, uh, especially as a captain and stuff. And I was like, right, you know, I want to have to play my second role in the team and and, and 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 do whatever I need to do there. But the way the game started, I was up and down. I was going and attacking. <laughs> I said, yes, you take care of that. <laughs> who, so who were you saying that to? Well, I was Ayala and Jukic would have been in the. Did, did effectively, did you leave them a three at the back? No, I was. I mean, in a formation yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. Anglama, Ayala, Jukic, maybe yeah, played a yeah, three, yeah. shuffled yeah, across. Yeah, shuffled a little bit, yeah. And, and, because I was and, like, and, oh, and you played a centre forward. Yeah, yeah, up and down isn't true. Up and down, <laughs> up and down isn't true. Yeah. Maybe your legs felt like felt that, but. <laughs> because when your goal. Yeah, then, comes, then well, first one I said the one for, for Piojo. We absolutely, on the counter, we, we, we were so good. And I remember a diagonal to me on the left, got back and saw Piojo in the box and gets the volley. Then another volley is in the other way around. It's it's Ilya which he makes the run. Uh, Ilya, the, 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 the Cobra, the Romanian who he was did so much damage to England in yeah. the. I was there, I guess, 1998 World Cup. He scores and he it's was close. he was oh. like the Romanian Romario. He was, oh, wasn't he? Was he? Incredible. Two legs, quick. Well, I remember when he signed for Valencia. He came in January. We were like. Where did this guy come from? We, we never heard of him, and it was incredible. Anyway, so he gets the ball there. As I see, Piojo is, is obviously as a striker there, but there was the, the, the holding midfielders were kind of stopping there. No one was making runs to potentially getting the ball across something in the box. So there was me, <laughs> once again, running forward. And as I Ilya sees me, I ask the ball, thinking that he's going to put it in front of me, so I, I'm going to put it down and shoot or take any We'll see. But uh, the way he, he crosses the ball, it, I kind of run past the ball. So my only chance to do it and control it first is... The, when I say this, that, that's what it goes through your head once you're there. It's different afterwards when you see it. So because my, you, you didn't see it for a long time afterwards. No, no, I didn't see it for a long time. No, no, no. I'll tell you that story later. <laughs> so chest, firstly to say, well, to control the ball because it was the closer to the ball that it was at the moment. Then trying to bring it down, I was... But that time, facing back the goal, my back was facing the goal, the, the goal, knee, and then I see. Obviously, I know who they are. They know who they were back in the day. But I saw these shares next to me, so I think, well, I flip it over, whoever is a sombrero, and and then I should be in goal, not realizing that there were four players. I mean, I thought it was one or two. I didn't, I didn't. Like I said that. That's at the moment. I just thought over my head and, and, and then I should be in front of the goal. Well, and, and that's what happened. I put it over. I see I'm right in front of Molina and I think all all went through my head was target, target, <laughs> especially was with my left foot, target. Don't, don't try to put pace and you put it up, up, you know, in the stands or wide or whatever, just target. Funny enough, I hit it with front foot, which normally when you go target, you put your inside. 
went front foot and he scored. And, and it was like, normally when you score a goal, you don't know what you're doing. You you, you just run, not thinking. That day, even, <laughs> I, don't, I can't even remember, after goal, was just, well, I've, I've seen it. I knew I was running around, but my head, my brain was completely just gone so, everywhere. So was mine. I was there, I, I was working, I can't remember which editor said to me, yes, you can, you can go. But we're in a beautiful night in Sevilla. I genuinely meant it's a it's very dark by this stage because it kicked off late. The moon is huge. Mm. The moon is like the moon is like a Euro Millions jackpot. It's that big, and it's copper, and it's hanging over the stadium. And Valencia are playing brilliantly. It's already strange to know that the manager of Valencia is going to join Atleti. You've made the first goal. Illy puts it in from the left, as you said. Valencia's left, and and I see this guy who I've seen three years earlier in the under-21 tournament, do exactly what you said. But I'm only mentioning this because it looked differently from what you described there. What it looked like was it looked like Maradona's more skillful brother. Mm. You step out, chest control, knee up, I know where every player is, flick over my own head, turn, like Frank Worthington, if anybody remembers him, (laughs) volley. I would argue that if you... I'll supply this on our blog... I'll supply the footage of this goal. You watch it and you compare it with Zidane at Hamden, Messi at the Bernabeu, Pelé in 58. Maradona's in the World Cup where he drifts past half the England team. is different. It's different in mm. style. And, and then you're down to personal preferences, what you yeah, like more. Yeah. But to do so many skill movements in a compact space, mm. in such a short space of time, to me, I, I at the moment, I thought, I'm looking at the best player in the world. In that moment, I just mm. couldn't believe... Then, had I known it was you, <laughs> I'd have known there was, a, there was another one coming yeah. any any minute now. But you said you'd tell me another story about it. Oh, yeah. So the game finishes, we celebrate, got the, the cup, everyone, what a goal you scored. In my head, I couldn't see the whole goal as the goal. I had the moment of chesting it, so I, I didn't have the whole picture. So, yeah, yeah, what a goal, fantastic. Obviously, I knew it was something special, but it wasn't until I watched it, which... As I told you, when I used to play, I would watch my games to try to you know what you did right, what you did wrong, the team, how we play. But if I score a goal or did something, I, I, I never really watched it. So this goal, I didn't watch it for years because <laughs> I didn't want to watch it. Just basically, I didn't want to watch it. Hard to understand. Because I think it's a, in my mentality, the way I think, it was next thing. You know, it's, it's done, next thing. It's like when you, I think it was Michael Jordan when he said, Whenever I've, I've, I've missed so many passes, I've missed so many game winners shots, and blah, blah. So all you think is what you did wrong, you know, repeated it. So in, in my mind was like in a way by getting all this, ooh, how good I, you know, what a goal. It, it might not be good for, for, for my... What's, I mean, of the million phrases that you have to learn when you listen to Pep, what he, the first time I heard him say, praise makes you weak. I had to stop and think and listen, but, he, but that, that's, you're saying that's the, same the same as him. It's the same, yeah. In fact, he he's obvious. Given that that was 1999, he's stolen it from you. <laughs> no, he's older than me, so. You 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 you've been great with your time, but I've so much still to to ask. I'm going to skip a little bit. You brought Middles brother only ever trophy. It was pretty dramatic because we talked about knocking out Everton on penalties, knocking out Spurs on penalties, mm-hmm. beating a good Arsenal side yeah. in the semi final, mm-hmm. and then Bolton. What are the memories that come from that cup run for you? Oh, great memories. 
not just obviously winning helps. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But it was it was if people remember in those days, there weren't many Spanish coming to England. No. Uh, it was me, which I came that season, and then Ivan Campo arrived to Bolton. Then mid-season, Fernando Hierro as well. So it was like, Ivan, we played together at Valencia. He's bass, we bass, we, we were friends. So it was a great story. The Bolton of Ivan Campo against the Middlesbrough Mendieta. Also because back in those days, we used to get letters in the club saying, how's Middlesbrough doing it? We, because they weren't able to find out what was happening in the Premier League in Spain. That's, that's how bad we were in those days in terms of communication. In coverage. In coverage, yeah. Hmm. Social media and all that stuff like nowadays. For the first time, I think the Spanish media made the effort because these two guys were playing a, a final in England. In the, you know. At Wembley? No, it was uh, Cardiff. Was it Cardiff in those days? So... It was great because of that, because it was me against Ivan Bolton against Middlesbrough. Uh, also, which is especially and special because it was the, f the the chance for Middlesbrough again after being knocked out. I think it was Chelsea previously to raise a, a trophy after 128 years. My first season, when everyone you know, after, and I, I say always this with a smile, Valencia, Lazio, Barca, and then Middlesbrough. Everyone, you know, was Mendieta going to Middlesbrough? Well, it was important for me to prove and to show, which I had a, a great, great time at Middlesbrough. I, I love the football we play there. We, not just the cup, the Europa League final. We, I think we, we was happy to, and never regretted it, to, to, to go to Middlesbrough. So in that way, it was a way of saying, look, you know, could be the first Spanish to win a trophy in this country, or Ivan, which I would have been happy as well. So... It was it was amazing. It was amazing. The whole reaction of the town, the 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 media. The for me, after not so much Barca, but Lazio having difficult times again, uh, fighting to to win trophies. Uh, the, the whole the whole ingredients were were just there, and the game I think was very, started very well for us. It was great. But you didn't take the penalty. No. Z Zenden took the penalty. Zenden took the penalty. Did. did did he, I, did he have something on you? Was know, it a bet? What, what the hell? Earlier, I missed the one against Spurs. You missed one? I know. But Steve McLaren manager said if it's a penalty, Bolo was the penalty taker. What did you think about that? No, no, no. You can say now. I can say now. Well, I didn't like it. Of course, I didn't like it. Because, yeah, I only, only missed one. Bolo, it's just as well you put it in, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what no, I'm he did, saying. He did, he did after I missed that one. No, I'm not slagging him off. Well, I'm just of saying, no. if you've got somebody, yeah. we've been talking about confidence, rhythm, routine, yeah, yeah. and you get a guy who's missed one. Which well, you've had two choices. One, Ever and go with Steve McLaren and grab him on the neck and say, why are you doing this? Or, you know, just take it. How did you watch? So, out of the respect... Yeah, I had, I had to do it. I but in the like moment, when, when the penalty's oh, no, called, did, did you find yourself... No, because previously we had another one that even before Bolo was um, Yakubu. So Yakubu also kind of... No, Yakubu was afterwards, sorry. I'm missing up. But in, in the in the sort of routine, Yakubu lost his place and, and no, Bolo lost his place to Yakubu. Managers do that. I, saw, I, I hate... I didn't like it, of course not. I, I was saw, like... I should, take this I, should, I should be me taking that penalty. But get on you. Get on I saw Klopp the other day turn his back on that penalty. He didn't watch it. Did you watch Bolo take it? Yeah. It, was a, it was a moment. It was yeah, a big yeah, yeah. moment. And, and, and you're not in control of the moment anymore. No, it's more difficult, yeah. It, it makes it even worse because when you're there, it's up to you. You've got the confidence. You're going to do it. You're going to score. But when you're watching it, 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 it it's harder to... But I was watching, yeah. You, you I, looked. I, I do look, yeah, yeah. 
Cool. Chapeau. Very Basque mentality. Yeah. <laughs> Might be. And then it didn't go fantastically at the end in, in Barra, but you said you were happy to be there. You helped them get to a European final, although you couldn't play in at yeah. the end. It was part of the reason of coming to Britain that you already liked our culture, but you liked our music. I mean, I'm not saying you signed for music. That would be stupid. Mm. But when you think about, will I go to the Premier League? Will I go to Middlesbrough? How's the money? Can I get out of Rome, please? Was it in the back of your mind that you could start to live a life that had more of the music you loved in it? Or was that did that only come after 2008? No, well, it's the reasons coming. That This might sound stupid for some people. When I obviously was in Spain, I used to come to London whenever I get a chance, buy records. I went on holiday Scotland, the Highlands. I did all that drive around and blah, blah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so I, it's a country that I always liked, that I always loved. Yeah. And, and, and the music, obviously, is the big thing for me, uh, but also the character of the people. In those days, you could only watch one game of the Premier League in Spain, Saturday, 3 o'clock. And for as much as I love my siesta, I used to watch them. So I, I, I love, a, a lot of things loved about, about the country. Mm -hmm. And I knew well that I want, eventually I wanted to play in the Premier League. How that would be, how that happened, when, I didn't know. So when the, the, the opportunity came along to Middlesbrough, I, I completely reset and, and changed my, my approach to the game and, and everything. So in a way, yeah, it was coming to a place where I always loved, with the music, yeah, it was important, which I knew I could watch so many concerts. And, mm. and, and Which, we're not kidding, that ability to go and watch live, good music live, the type of music or bands or individuals you like, that was that's a really big part of your life, isn't it? It is, because, and you know me now, and you know, in my whole career, football was very important, but I had always more things, you know, in my life were other things, like music, family, friends, and, and culture and other stuff. So when, when, when the football was was finished i had more more things to do my records my concerts uh traveling everything was easier for for to be there i like the words you've used there because you used the word records and we're we're into added time here ne nearly into added time i did a, i did a film shoot recently a couple of years ago at arsenal's training ground with with santi cathola who you know is a gem <laughs> a gem of a guy uh, abu diaby mm -hmm. and young jenkinson Fantastic fellow, lovely fellow, now at West Ham. And to make the, because you've been involved in filming, to make the um, little video interesting, there was a box of fake records, vinyl, with their faces and nice titles in the front, and they had to look through, and they had to say, hey, uh, the Santi Casola one is not mine for Abu Dhabi. There's Abbott, take it out and look at that. And they did it, they acted it beautifully, it looked really good. The graphics on the LPs, it was like faded kind of swinging London 1960s faded pastel colour okay. shapes and Burt Bacharach yeah. squares and guys just smiling because he knows exactly what I mean and most people have no idea what I'm talking about but he does and at the end of the shoot I said to the guys I said um, do you know what these are? None of them had ever seen vinyl That's before so none of them had ever seen records before <laughs> they were like nope <laughs> <laughs> I think they thought they were seriously. Boy, they thought they were frisbees. Yeah. The boys haven't lived. And you used the word record. You're an in-demand DJ. You take your skill and you use it all around Europe. I don't know if there's any gigs coming up that you want to talk mm. about. You're also a socio, a shareholder in in Iberica's chain of yeah. chain of restaurants, mm -hmm. which are in Manchester as well as in it's London. One, we're yeah. in London now yeah. when we're talking. There's four or five around four, London. Yeah. You eat beautifully because yeah. not everybody does. Spanish cuisine well and wine well outside Spain, but they do. 
Absolutely. You do. Couldn't say it better. Rather than talk only about your gigs, what's the music you recur to most often? What do you reach for most often? At home, in the car? Who, who's the band, the man, the girl, the, the voice, the style that draws you back most often? Because I know that your taste goes right mm, across all music. Yeah. It's mostly in planes. In planes is where I do my playlists. When I'm at home, obviously, Wi-Fi, where I think. That's where I, I, I put a lot of songs and, 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 and save playlists and, and listen to a lot of music when I'm home or in the car, car as, or train or traveling. And then on planes is where you have no other choice. You, you, that's where I do my playlist. And, and I, I like to, at home I listen to a lot of stuff, and new, new, new bands, because more or less, without sounding pretentious, the songs that I play for the old times, I've got them already in, in CDs or, or like label to whenever I check the, the vinyls. They're more or less the songs that I normally play, but it's more the new music that I, so many that I like to be more or less up to date. So that's the music that I do more on playlist and and and, and all songs. Who yeah, controls sometimes. you? Which artist calls well, for me, to you? In all, which mood as well? Which mood? Yeah, well, that's what, that's what I was about to say. It depends uh, which mood you are. Sometimes you hyper, you get Motown, soul. Sometimes you feel like blues and and, and a bit of a more more like moody moody music. For me, it all started. I, I'm more of a, a USA music fan than than UK. That's, that's where I started listening to music. The Doors, Lou Reed, the, the Ground. That's why I started. And from there, Sonic Youth. I, I think all started there. All, all with, with Velvet. I think Velvet branches spread yeah. wide and, and very, and very, and very long. And sometimes I listen to new bands and, and always thinking, well, that's nothing new. There's something that I've already heard. And, and, and usually not as well as Lou did. Well, no. I, mean, I think Lou. We spoke earlier about Crave, but I think Lurie changed, changed the direction of, of music. This is just completely nuts. We've never rehearsed this. I wrote an ESPN oh, column. When, Lou, when Lurie died, yeah. I said, we've lost the Crave of music. The guy who, oh, right. who risks, who goes against the tide, who scares people, who does things that you haven't imagined. And to me, and I, I felt, I didn't feel stupid and alone. But when you write and you're passionate, you have mm. to take risks. Of course, yeah. And I kind of thought to myself, if, if one person out there gets this, then it was worth writing. And I've got a really good editor. Hi, James, at ESPN, who's a massive music fan. And I love that. I mean, Lou, it, nobody would say Lou Reed was in any way a perfect man. No, <laughs> no. He had his... Um, like but it, nor am I, you know. I've, no one else. But he did take those risks and push the boundaries to new, new, new things. And you listen to it today. Oh, I do listen to it. And it could have been written... You know, it could have been written. It doesn't sound no. 40 years old. Well, not, not, no even, not, not just the music, I think the lyrics. To get bands nowadays that have lyrics yeah. like they did back in the days, probably, well, I'm sure, because they had a lot more to say than we do nowadays. I think nowadays, in, in terms of society, there's not many things we could argue or talk about. In those days, there, there were strong things going on worldwide. And uh, and, I, and I think that that's why they, this poetry, that's why they, they've done books about it, uh, Jim Morrison, not as good as, as him, but all these things, it's timeless. You could listen over and over, like you say. Now, in 20 years, there still be nothing. I know, I don't, I know that doesn't happen in England because the, the music culture is, is massive, it's huge, and everyone or most people know where everything comes from. Like, if you like a band nowadays, you know it sounds like the Ramones or it sounds like uh, any other. Maybe in other, in other places, they only focus on the new things. They, they don't 
some people don't track back where these things come from, and they're having a big miss because they're as good, if not better, than than the bands now. Well, I loved what you said when the Velvets, the you know, the strands lead you, and that's the path I like going down. When you say, okay, who produced that? What else did they produce? Yeah. Um, who co-wrote? And I, I mean, this is, now I'm talking because my knowledge isn't as good as yours, <laughs> and I just follow my passion. Mm. But when I found out, I think um, John Lennon sang in sessions with with Bowie. Maybe on Young Americans or Golden mm. Years. I think to myself, the guy from the band that probably inspired me most when I was a kid is in that studio, backing vocals, just doing backing vocals, or, or McCartney and Lennon dropped by to sing backing vocals for Rainbow with, in the Stones mm. or something. You're yeah. like, what I would give. You know, if you were given the gift of time travel, you should probably go back and. I don't know, avoid war, invent medicine earlier. And, you know, I'd go to those sessions. Go to concerts. Straight to those <laughs> sessions and yeah. just sit there going, oh. <laughs> it's, it's pathetic, but I, I was would. lucky to, to get to meet uh, Lou Reed once. No. Yeah, when he played, they played in Valencia one summer. And a friend of mine used to do the, the website for him in Spain. And, and, and he was the president of the Lou Reed fans. So when he came, obviously he invited him. He was very good in that way. So he, he, tell, he tell us, well, we were three. Come with me after the concert. We might be lucky and get to know him. We were like on the clock waiting in the door. I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, come in. We come in. It was like a big terrace between the, the caravans, tables, and, and all of a sudden, it really comes out. Shorts, like a hippish t shirt, like, you know, nothing was bothering him. Glass of wine. And we start to talk. Music. He, he's a big fan of, of all the, the, the soul and all that time where he started uh, to, to work in the music. Sport, he was a big fan of Tai Chi, obviously. What we play? Is you soccer? Oh, soccer. Oh, that's too physical. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he was like, he knew about football. Yeah. But uh, no, a big fan. His, his musician, which he was based in Barcelona, Fernando Saunders, he was a big fan. His son was a big fan of Barca. So the guy knew a little bit more. But it was a great. Like, I guess for most of us, when you are with there with someone that you admire for so many things and talking like he knew you forever, like you were friends, you know, like normally we talk to, to anyone. It's ironic I say this because, you know, the, the advice is be careful not to try to meet your heroes because, mm. yeah. you know, I, I, you know a, lot of, a lot of days when we all get in different moods and you don't want to do this. Mm. So the generosity of you doing it for me, I appreciate mm. but... You can meet people who are particularly world famous and they don't have the time or the patience. Yeah. And you no. did meet him and it was a good experience. It was great. It I think was... that's kind of rare and, and yeah, I'm even more jealous. <laughs> I'm, well, don't start me with that. I'm going to thank you for <laughs> our beautiful time, Kaiska. Thank my you. My pleasure. My first uh, big acierto was asking you to do this and my great fortune was that you said yes. You made me. You made me very, very happy as a journalist and as, as a fan of football. And you've done it again today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Football, music, good friends. It, it, we're only missing two things. We're missing, we can't yeah, mention say. either. Hi, mom. <laughs> we can't mention it either. What are the? I always thought it was socks and drugs and rock and roll. That's old school. Though. Okay. Casca <laughs> Mendieta, Amunt Mendieta. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias. So there you go. Guys, come in, Dieta, as I promised. A brilliant storyteller, phenomenal fella, and he loves music just as much as I do. 
It doesn't come much better than that. It was all recorded at Audio Booms Studios, thanks to them, and particularly to Alex Aidy, who didn't just edit this and make sure that it's good to listen to in terms of the quality of the sound, but she guided me through that experience absolutely brilliantly. A gentle, you hear the surprise in my voice, a gentle thank you to Mr. Russell Brand, who phoned up to say how much he's enjoying the big interviews immediately before Geiska arrived at the studios in London at Audio Boom and put me in a great mood to enjoy this conversation. So I appreciate that, Russell. That was kind of you. I'd also like to thank other people. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Geiska, but this is part of a series, a series which was made possible by all of you supporting us. And there are shout-outs, shout-outs from people who dug into their pocket to support the big interview to make sure that we could live on to make sure that the Kickstarter campaign was a success and therefore Lawrence McRae you're a star this is your shout out Mike Reed. I'm not sure which one we know it's not run around I'm sorry for that humour pretty sure it's not the X-Ready 1 DJ so Mike Reed, Mike you're the finest Mike Reed I know thanks for supporting us and the last shout out goes to Dara now I have a suspicion which Dara it is but Dara I don't think you gave us your surname so I suppose, to you, Dara, amongst all Daras, this is your shout-out, and thanks for being there. We wouldn't still be doing this without all of you who are so kind and so generous. We appreciate the feedback from you all. Please keep it coming. Join the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. It's completely free, and by doing that, you'll get first news of who the next podcast is. You'll get blog content. You'll always know what it is that we're up to, and we'll try to make sure that you enjoy being part of the network on grahamhunter.tv. It's also where you can buy my books on FC Barcelona and the Spain Trophy Treble. This whole process is produced by Backpage and by me, Graham Hunter. The music, as always, is by Beer Jacket, and we thank them. Alex Aidy, brilliant editor. And finally, if you're one of the 1,184 people who backed our Kickstarter campaign, genuinely, we appreciate it. If you're not, but you do want to contribute to the ongoing good health of this podcast... Please take a minute to put a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this. Tell your friends. Tell them to come and join the party. Talk to you again soon. Bye for now.